So, Father, first we honor you. You have been so, so good to us constantly in our life. We bless you, God. And, Father, thank you for our leaders, Mark and Chris, for our family, our fathers in this house. Thank you that you are doing exceeding things with them. While we were standing here, I saw, you know what it's like when you have to update the software on your computer or your phone? I saw a version change and new features. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, we're saying for Mark and for Chris, update them, refresh them, and add new features, new capabilities in Jesus' name as they minister, that they would discover greater depths of the Spirit of God, that they would find deeper wells of refreshment in Jesus' name, that they would return to us fuller than they left, and that there would be things to add to this house. God, we bless them, we cover them, we love them in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is funny because, you know, I do this relatively often, and I would have to say that, in general, there's never any nerves involved, you know? I mean, it's, it's a gifting, it's a thing. I, I'm a teacher. I love to teach. Della can relate. And so I can come up here in general and not actually be nervous when I do this at all. Well, <clears throat> I made a mistake last week. We went to this men's conference in Grand Prairie, and we heard some really, really powerful testimonies, um, like seriously powerful testimonies. And I, uh, I said something stupid. I said, you know, I was born and raised in a Christian home, and I never rebelled at all. And it's such a blessing in my life, but it means I have a lousy testimony. Uh-oh. And immediately I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying to my heart, seriously? You're speaking next Sunday. Guess what you're doing? (laughs) So it's a little raw, but I'm going to inflict on all of you my testimony. You know, I was going to start by saying, you know, I I hit the bottle really hard, and then I turned two, you know. (laughs) And then I thought, no, that's stupid, that's a dad joke, and Paul will throw something at me, so I won't do it. But it's true, I I grew up in a Christian home. My grandparents were Christians. Their parents were Christians. Amazing heritage. You know, my my brother has tracked some ancestry up the line, and there's all sorts of uh, leaders in a church. My wife has a similar testimony that way. And so I actually grew up, now I'm Dutch, and uh, my parents are both immigrants. And so in my early years, uh, we, would, we would go to church uh, in the Christian Reformed Church. It's a, it's a Calvinist church, very much like a Presbyterian. Um, and, uh, and, oh, Bible-based. Let me tell you, we loved the Word of God. As a child, every, after every meal, three times a day, we read a chapter of the Bible as a family. That's, that's the Dutch custom. That's how that's done. And so, of course, by the time I was a teenager, we'd been through the Bible cover to cover multiple times uh, as a family. And that's very cool. Now, when I was a young fella, probably, uh, I, I think, grade two, well, just, just prior, my mom was reading the Bible, and she felt this conviction that she should be baptized in water. Now, the church tradition was a sprinkling as an infant, and that as a... As a a more mature person, probably in your late teens, you would do what's called a profession of faith. And uh, so you actually had to go to classes. You took catechism classes and you, you would have to learn a great deal of scripture and you'd have to, in effect, there was like an exam and then you would do a profession of faith. By the way, there's some things in that that are just wonderful, actually. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, the, the level of learning and if all of our kids got that level of, of scripture into their hearts and grafted in? Um, one of these things that one of the things we don't do as well in evangelicalism is actually train up the young ones in the Word of God. I'm so thankful for that training in my own life. Now, Mom felt that she should be baptized in water because that's what it said in the scriptures. In the process of doing so, my parents were asked to leave that church because, of course, it's a, that's a different way of doing things, and they were, in essence, bringing some dissension into that into that thing. By the way. 
Uh, many years later, we got an official letter from the Synod of, of the Christian Reformed Church out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, welcoming my family back into fellowship uh, in that denomination. So that has a really neat piece to it there. So mom got baptized, and, uh, and so we ended up moving to an alliance church. We went to Beulah Alliance for a couple of years and then off to Beverly Alliance, which was close to where we lived, where my dad became a sort of lead elder in the church, and my family grew, and, and uh, I have five siblings, so there's six kids in the family. I'm number three. Gord over there is number two. We, uh, we went to the Alliance Church, and again, really good discipleship training. Now, mom and dad got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began... <laughs> Another baptism. Baptisms caused all of our problems. (laughs) Mom and dad got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't know in what order. I think dad was probably first, but dad was kind of quiet. Mom was not. We all inherited from mom. (laughs) They began to go to a set of meetings. This was during the time of the, you know, the charismatic movement, the charismatic renewal. I mean, it was... It was exciting stuff. And they would go to these the house meetings of a family, Manley and Mildred Hodges. I don't know if any of the older folks in here would know them, but we, we had some Hodges here that were related. And so they would go to these meetings. And uh, as kids, I think they were on like Thursday nights. As kids, we would actually beg to be able to come along. And in general, they would only bring one of us. And so it would be like, can I go? Can I go tonight? Can I go? My goodness, there were, it was so neat. Back then, we didn't have worship like this in, in the church. We, we sang hymns in the church, and many of them were very meaningful, and I love them to this day. But, you know, there was very little exuberance. There was very little, you know, sort of excitement that way. It was very, very, very cerebral. And then we would go to these, these meetings at Hodge's place, and, and we'd be singing choruses and then people digging into the word of God and then people giving prophetic words and people speaking in tongues. In fact, some folks would do the holy hop. It was the early form of dancing coming back into the church. I'm glad we're past it. But it was amazing. And then I saw some signs and wonders. I personally, now, here we go. How many of you did not see The sermon last week did not hear the sermon last week that Mark preached. Okay, there's just a couple. That's great. So I I don't have to give much of a background. Mark preached on what he called the fourth dimension, and it really was the kingdom reaching into, well, God and the heavenlies reaching into earth and affecting earth. And he called it coming from the fourth dimension because we understand three. So when something comes out of another dimension, we, we, we don't perceive where it comes from and how it goes. Okay, so that's the fourth dimension. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Will you give me permission to be... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, Darcy, it's blanket. Oh, oh, that was Joel. Okay, it's blanket. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm going to tell you some things that are directly supernatural. Directly supernatural. Undeniably supernatural. And they might make you a little bit uncomfortable if you're anything like I was. If you live up here, this is going to be very weird And you may even question whether I'm out of my mind. And that's okay. We'll see. So I watched as my parents were involved in some deliverance ministry and demons came out of people. I saw a young girl yelling out in the voice of a man and attacking somebody and stopping just before she poked their eyes out as they just quietly looked at her and cast demons out of her. I spoke to a young woman who had been raised in the occult Her father was a witch, and when the last demon came out of her, it yelled out, Leave me alone, I've been in here since before she was born. He was called in by her father, and when that last demon came out, she could see color for the first time in her life. It was amazing. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing, I remember, I I was so interested. I was about, I don't know, seven years old, eight years old, seven maybe. I was laying in my bed, and I'd given my heart to Jesus at five, I was laying in my bed, and mom and dad had some people over, and and mom came to kind of sort of tuck me in, and I said to her, so what, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tell me about that, what is that? And mom said, well, you remember in the Bible, and she kind of described a little bit about second chapter of Acts, and then she described a little bit about how the the Roman had called for Peter to come, and and Peter came, and they were, you know, they definitely were saved. They they loved Jesus. They had given their hearts to Jesus, but then there was this this extra thing 
that was separate from salvation, subsequent to it. So you have the Holy Spirit at salvation, but then there's this infilling that has to keep happening over and over and over. It has to keep happening through your life. And I said, well, how do you get it? And she said, well, it's free. It's a gift. You just ask, just like salvation. So I said, well, can I, can I do it? And she said, yes. And so we prayed together. And then I rolled over and went to sleep. <laughs> it's so exciting, my testimony. It has all sorts of these things in it. But you know what? I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I knew it. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, we were praying together. And my parents began to pray in tongues. And so, so did I. Nobody ever told me it was supposed to be difficult. Nobody ever told me that this was a, a problem, and I was a kid. So with a kid's faith, I just did it. Wow. Right in around that time, the Lord impressed something on me, and I don't know whether he gave me the verses from James chapter 3 at that point in time. I can tell you that James chapter 3 is sort of my life verse, or life chapter, if you will. Courtney, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. You know what? I love it. We're going to read the whole thing. Okay, can we do that together? All right. So, James chapter 3 in the NLT. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Did you catch that? So what's the toughest thing for you to control? Your tongue. Now, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Starting to get something clear here on the importance of the tongue. It can corrupt your whole body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James is writing to the church. Just for clarity here, this is all about us and our tongues. Okay? And then here it is, starting at chapter or verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I want to stop there for a second and say, one of the things the Lord showed me years ago, the deadly poison. You know, Paul tells us, uh, or actually, no, Jesus, it was in Matthew, says that we can drink any deadly poison and it won't harm us. I want to tell you right now, gossip doesn't have to harm you. If you accidentally hear it and don't participate in it, you can ask God to wipe your mind clear. Because let me tell you right now, if somebody says something, that tongue thing can stir up an entire city, right? The, Bible, the Proverbs says it, tongue can stir up a city. I, I'm telling you right now, if you hear something that you should not have heard, it causes you to perceive somebody in a different way. That's what gossip does. It's right. deadly poison, but you can ask God to actually give you the antidote for that deadly poison and just clean it off. So that's sort of for free. Verse nine, sometimes it praises our Lord and father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If your mouth is busy cursing, you know that you can't draw a blessing from it. So if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. 
It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. There's two or three sermons in there, right? And, and it's hard for me to read past them and not go there. My younger brother Dave always says, and not wax elephants. <laughs> uh, wax eloquent, anyway. But I, I do want you to know that in my life, this is something that has mattered so greatly. I've never had the problem uh, with understanding the difference between grace and works. And it's a really interesting thing because uh, I, I realize that there's, a, there's a, a, a stretch there. Some people say, you know, but you've got to be good. You've got to do good things. And other people say, excuse me, but our salvation is a free gift from God and it has nothing to do with what you do. Do you know that both of those things are true? It's just the order. And it's like this. God gives us the grace. He gives us the ability to do good things. He gives us the desire to do good things. And the gauge of how much God you have in your life is what do you do? So it's not actually that you become more godly by doing good things. That's ridiculous. In fact, you just become more proud by doing good things. But if you're more godly, you will certainly do good things. Okay? And so there's no dichotomy here. There's no, there's no problem with what James is saying. He's saying, I'll show you my faith by my good works. Right. It's, it's the proof. Right. It's, not, it's not the input. It's the output. And it even said it right here. It said the fruit of good deeds. Fruit is produced. Yes. <laughs> it was funny. I said to Steve Holmstrom last week, I said, you don't get more fruit by jamming a tree full of fruit. And he, he looked at me and went, I'm writing that down. I'm stealing it. <laughs> okay. So there you go. All right. So that call came on my life. The call to watch my tongue. And as a young guy, seven, eight years old, I knew that if I ever wanted to have power in my words, if I ever wanted God to be able to bless people through me, if I wanted to be able to teach his word, I was going to have to watch my tongue. Uh, I was going to have to have the Holy Spirit watch my tongue, and I was going to have to have a soft heart for when he poked me on it. Uh, gossip, out. Crude language, out. Dirty jokes, out. Not allowed. Not if I want to have the kind of power that he was willing to grant and the authority that he was willing to grant in my words. Seven, eight years old. I'm one of the only people I know, and I, I want to be careful here because this is not a brag in any way. It's not a boast. It's, I, I, I am telling you this is a possibility, okay? So I have never uttered a curse word in my life, my whole life. Of course, it doesn't occur to me to do so either. You know, if I hit my, my finger with a hammer, the words that occur to me to say are, ow, 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 and that's about it, <laughs> okay? But that's the call. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, here's where things kind of went off, though. At 12 years of age, I've always been a bit of an intellectual, right? I loved reading. I read tons all the time. And I decided that emotions were a waste, that really we should be able to process everything very logically and cognitively, okay? And that emotions were flighty and pointless, not overly useful. So from the time I was 12 years old on, I decided not to have any. And I was largely successful. My kids can tell you that in raising them, I never yelled at them. Ever. Why? Well, I refused to get angry. I just wouldn't do it. My wife can tell you that that's an incredibly painful thing to be married to. I mean, she'd poke at me just to see if I really cared. And I would say to her, oh, you don't mean that. At which point, she was unsure if I really cared. Right. I didn't cry from the time I was 12 till the time uh, I was standing by my dad's bedside as he passed away. And that was, I was in my 30s. So that was, that was a hardcore decision in my life. And uh, I was inordinately proud of it. Because this was a strength. But it led to a really negative thing for a guy raised in the church who loved the Lord. And that is, I was 100% certain that God would never actually do anything that I couldn't understand. 
And I remember the day the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart the fact that you have created me in your own image, only bigger. And that hurt. That actually made me sick to my stomach, like throw up sick to my stomach. Recognizing the, 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 the pure intellectual arrogance of that, that belief. And I'll tell you what else had happened. Signs and wonders? Yeah, not so much. Because I didn't really understand them. See, they were, they're messy and uncomfortable. And they don't really line up. I mean, cognitively, I believe God is sovereign. He created the universe with a word. He can do anything he wants. That's fine. And so he can do miracles. That's great. But I just couldn't figure out which ones he would or wouldn't do. And certainly there was a lot of really messy stuff that went on that he clearly wouldn't do. That others thought he did. And there came a time uh, now, so I mean, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward a lot of years, right? And so here I am, married with kids and uh, an elder in this church. Uh, I've been attending here for 34 plus years. You know, there's a few, a few longer who have been here a little longer. Pastor Ken has been here longer than I have. I think Anita has. Mark, pretty close. I think he came just after we did. Brian and Grace were here. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a few I, I, I think you folks were just after that, right? Or before? Okay. So Bruce and Gail, even before, right? So we've got some folks who've been here for a while. But uh, at any rate, we were, we were here. Uh, you know, like I say, I'm attending this church. I'm an elder in this church already by that time, I think. Uh, well, maybe not quite. Because, right, it was actually when Curtis was uh, about five years old, and we were looking at what we were going to do for schooling for him. And we really sought the Lord on what we should do for schooling. Um, we had thought earlier that any idea of homeschooling was completely out of the question. I mean, Brother Gord and Deb, they were homeschooling, but they were weird. So, you know, <laughs> we, we, we weren't going to do that. And uh, I actually was driving home. I was driving uh, J- uh, Andrew Langeman's dad home, Josh and Andrew's dad home from work. He worked with me. And... Um, we were chatting together, and I said to, to Albert, I said, tell me, why did you decide to homeschool your kids? And he said, you know, that's a really neat question. It's like this. If I wanted my kids to be concert musicians, I would get them the best tutors, and I would, you know, get them involved in all the different music things. And, and all. if I wanted them to be top-ranked scientists, same deal. I would get, you know, I would get them into advanced programs and, and, and you know, being taught by some of the leaders and, and bring in the right books and whatever. He said, you know, the number one thing I want for my kids, number one above anything else, is that I'll see them in heaven one day. He said, so when we decided what we would do for, for schooling our kids, it was all around the idea of what's the number one thing that's going to help ensure that we're going to see them in heaven one day. And he said, and in, in, in our environment and where we were, we felt that we should be schooling them at home and, and, and you know, weaving the word of God into everything that we're learning. And I, man, I, that, that threw me for a loop. I got home and I shared that with Gaylene, who had clearly stated that that was never going to happen on, on a homeschooling basis. But the reality was we did end up homeschooling the kids. Uh, not because I asked Gaylene to either, but because she came to the conviction that that was going to be really important. Now, part of the thing was we were asking the Lord what we would do, and he led us to an organization who had some interesting restrictions. And one of the things that this organization had, and they had a curriculum that we, we, we became convinced in our hearts was the curriculum that we needed to use with our kids. And so... But they had some, some odd rules, and one of them was they didn't like music that had a backbeat. They felt that a backbeat rhythm runs contrary to your body's natural rhythms, and it brings confusion, and therefore God does not use that because he's not the author of confusion. Okay? No, hey, don't laugh. I mean, this is, these, are, these are incredibly bright and incredibly spiritual people I just think they've got some cause and effect things mixed up here a little bit. But at the time, that was quite a challenge because we were attending here and we have backbeat rhythms in just about everything we ever do. And so I really sought the Lord on this and actually I did a 40-day music fast. So for 40 days, I tried to listen to no music whatsoever. I tried to not be anywhere where there was music and just sought the Lord on this. Like, 
God, is there something I'm not understanding? Is there something I'm missing on this whole thing? Is there, is there a truth here that, that we need to embrace? And in that, God started to show me something. And that was that music actually speaks from the spirit of the musician directly to your spirit, bypassing your mind. Okay? Which is why you can hear a piece that moves you to tears and it hasn't even got lyrics. Or you can hear a piece that makes you upset and angry and it hasn't even got lyrics. Or you can get the confusion where you've got these wonderful lyrics, but the way it makes you feel inside is completely different than the lyrics. Right? These things, because there is a direct spirit-to-spirit communication happening that's bypassing your mind. I understood that, but it still didn't make sense to me because music never moved me at all. Remember that emotionally shut down thing? Jen's taken already three pages of notes. (laughs) She's going, oh boy, I'm calling you in. Anyway, so music never moved me at all. I enjoyed it, but it was just, it it was all surface for me. And then, at some later date, we had a, a prophet come over and have dinner with us in our house. And he did, he did one-on-one prophetic kind of counseling. And, and as we're having dinner, he looks at me and he says, you know, you're so emotionally controlled, you refuse to feel anything. And I looked at him and said, yeah, and? said, is that a problem? And he said to me, I don't know, is it? And I said, well, I don't think so. He said, Hmm. Okay, I'm just saying. And that was it. He left it alone. That night, Galena and I are laying in bed, and I, I say to her, Okay, so that thing about the emotions, like, is that a problem? <laughs> and Galene says, Now, this is the wisdom of my wife. She says, Oh, you probably should ask the Lord about that, huh? I mean, I know what, you know, today I know what she thought. <laughs> But I would have just considered that all emotional anyway. So, And I remember beginning to seek the Lord about this and say, Lord, am I doing something completely wrong here with this, with this tight, tight control? And having the Lord say to me, you know that music thing? Do you know that you shut down? Because you shut down your emotions, mostly when your spirit becomes stirred, your mind becomes aware of it because your emotions get involved. So when your spirit is stirred, if you want an understanding of what's going on, you actually have to allow the emotion of it. Furthermore, I created you in my image, and I have emotions. Do you have a problem with that? Wow. Uh, okay. Um, huh. And then he said to me, and when my Holy Spirit tries to talk to you, you're so busy trying to shut that down too that I have to yell. And so, that is not my problem anymore. <laughs> I, I had to submit that to him. I had to say, Lord, I, I, I don't want this. Uh, I, I mean, I have valued this for so long. I don't know who I am if I don't have this. But, but if this isn't of you, then I don't want it. Well, oh, good grief. Over the next couple of years, I just cried about everything all the time. <laughs> I'd watch a talent show on TV and Amanda would start laughing at me because I'd be crying because somebody did such a good job. Uh, you know, it was, it was just ridiculous. I'd try to read a book and my... Ah, it's so good. You know. Uh, yeah, here we go. See? I stand there, play my guitar with tears running down my cheeks. Uh, you guys mostly can't see. It's all good. But it's part of that valuing who God has created me to be and it's part of you valuing who God has created you to be to recognize that we are holistic creatures created in his image and our emotions are a part of that. And I remember about six or eight years ago standing here and preaching and, and saying that because I'd already you know, kind of gone through that by then and saying, but remember that your emotions are blind so don't let them drive. And then while I was standing here with the microphone, this thing happened to me (laughs) that does happen. So what I will tell you is this. The number one gift of the Holy Spirit that I operate in, other than tongues, which I pray in tongues every day, but the, the other one that I operate in is called Word of Wisdom. And a lot of people don't really know how Word of Wisdom works. So it's like this. Generally, Word of Wisdom for me works this way. 
I'll be saying something to somebody and I will hear myself saying something I did not previously know. And then it will be, oh my goodness, that's true. Okay? Or it'll just drop into my spirit at that moment. I won't have said it yet, but now I know as I'm saying it that this is a word of wisdom. And so I was standing here preaching and I said, your emotions are blind, so don't let them drive. And the Lord said to me, and so are your thoughts. And I, I stopped and I went, oh, shucks. <laughs> That's as strong as my language gets. <laughs> oh, and, and then I told you all who were here back then, I said, and the Lord just told me, and so are you thoughts, so don't let them drive either. We need to be led by our spirit. I remember uh, a story about Heidi Baker. Uh, Heidi was uh, in Germany. And in Germany and in Holland, where, you know, where my relatives are from, um, this, this sort of strongly cognitive thing, this cerebral thing, that's a, that's a value. Feel like that, you know? <laughs> Sorry, but when you say it in German, it has way more feel. If I did it in Dutch, it would be, if you like that. So that is, you know, it's, it's way too flowery. It's sing-songy and doesn't have that same oomph. So there you go. Heidi Baker is in this German conference, a Lutheran conference. And there's like hundreds of Lutheran pastors in the room. I don't know how many. Why they asked Heidi Baker to come speak, I've never figured out. But she came, she's a missionary in, in South Africa, right? Running all sorts of stuff there. And she came out, and they had a, a chair for her on the platform. I don't know, I think she hadn't been feeling well or something. Anyway, she came out on the platform, and she, she knelt down beside the chair, and she just went like this. Too big, too little. And she did it for 40 minutes. Then she got up and she left the stage. And the conference organizer was furious. He was so angry. I've read his testimony on this. And he took a microphone and he came out and said, and he was humiliated. And he came out and he was trying to think of how he was going to excuse this travesty. He got to the center of the stage and then he started to weep. And so did the whole audience. The Holy Spirit fell, and people were just just lost in the Spirit. So I want to give you a couple of little things that, that have happened in my own life. I'm going to start here. It's so fun to me that uh, through the course of the morning, a few of you stole a piece, pieces of my, uh, of my message already. So even Paul with the Elijah story and... And uh, so we'll get there. And <clears throat> Cam, you came up and you gave some bits from, from Revelation with the Laodiceans. But I'm going to give the piece just before that. So Revelation chapter 2. This is writing to the angel of the church of Ephesus, the Ephesians. And, uh, and he says, I know the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered their liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. You've got it all going on up here, boy. Right? You've got it all figured out. You know the doctrines. You know the truth. When somebody comes, you know, comes with a different message, you know it's not right. You, you cast it out. You, you've got it all figured out. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18 says, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new language. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And here it is. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. So for a guy who had very little in terms of, you know, emotions... I have had some very significant prophetic experiences. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share a little testimony of something that happened here in this church. Uh, this would be uh, 24 years ago, probably. So we had Dennis Weedrick in. How many of you know Dennis? About half. Uh, Dennis is currently in hospital. Um, 
COVID, and it, he's been on a ventilator, and he's, you know, he, we're, we're praying for Dennis. Uh, he is a spiritual father to many of us, and, uh, and we love him dearly. So Dennis had come. We didn't really even know him, and he had, he had uh, come to town for something, and our pastor at the time, Bob Johnson, had, had reached out to Dennis to say, you know what, I think I need to have you in the church. Can we, can we have you for a series of meetings? And Dennis agreed to come for this series of meetings, at, like, right away. And he was from Hamilton, so, I mean, I, I don't know how he even got it all arranged. And um, uh, I had managed to spend a little bit of time with him, so my cognitive mind had decided that I trusted him, Okay. I, I loved to see what he could do. I, I loved to, you know, I, I saw the Spirit of God in what he was doing, and so I had built some trust for him. And so on the, the I think the first or second night, second night, I think, um, Gillian and I were sitting over on that side, and uh, the place was packed. I mean, it was full. We did some worship, and then, um, and then Dennis came up, and he said, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. So, uh, no music, no fuss. Anybody here who has uh, never been slain in the spirit and would like to be? I don't even believe in slain in the spirit. I mean, that's people who lock their knees and they get a little bit too... uh, and they faint. But that's people who fall down because it's courtesy to do so. Um, You know, like, I I don't... I don't... Yuck! I don't like this. But I I really like Dennis. And so he says, uh, yeah... Anybody who never been slain in the spirit and would like to be, and I'm thinking, who would like to be? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. So he picked three people. Um, one of them, uh, what's that? They yeah, they volunteered. Three people volunteered to put up their hands. Um, one of them is known by many of you, and maybe I'll just leave her name out of it for now because <clears throat> I didn't ask her if I could. Um, but these three folks come up here, and he's uh, standing here on the platform. And uh, he's standing over on this side, and he got these three people. And Dennis says, uh, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit works like electricity. He's on me, and if I touch you, and this first fellow just plop. Gaylene is sitting in the pew. She's rubbing my leg. We had pews back then. She's rubbing my leg. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and then the second person, he looks at her. She's, she's a Bible college student, wonderful woman. Standing there looking at him. He's standing over by where I would stand to play the guitar. She's about here. He says, sometimes the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a wind. Plop. Over she goes. Okay. This is messing my theology because there's no muss. There's no fuss. There's no music. There's no hype. These people are standing here a little bit scared maybe. But he's not touching them. He's not pushing them. I don't know what's going on. And then he looks at the third fella and he says, and honestly, it really has nothing to do with me whatsoever. And he looks back, and then he stops, and he looks back at the fella, and he says, actually, this isn't for you tonight. There's, there's some other things God wants to do in your life. And so he looks out, and he sees two people he's met and known, <laughs> me <laughs> and Pastor Archie, and he calls the two of us up and asks us if we would take the fellow over there by that door and, and minister to him. And I'm thinking, minister what to him? <laughs> I'm currently messed up. I'm kind of undone. My God box is broke. And so Arch and I get over by the door there, <clears throat> and we just pray for this fellow. And, and those of you who know Archie know that there's nothing in the world he likes better than altar ministry, so he's right in his element, and I'm freaked out as we're praying for this young man. Then Dennis says, so... I'll, I'll explain this, and he, he talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, it's not even so much that the Holy Spirit's knocking people over, it's that people fall over when they come under the power of the Holy Spirit, some do, some don't, and he said, you know, it's like anything else, and later on, I, I kind of added an analogy to it myself, I said, you know, if I tickle my son, Curtis, as a little guy, he would squirm and scream and just love it, okay? If I tickled Amanda, she would shout and bite. <laughs> now... Did I make her do that? No, I tickled her. That was her reaction. And in Curtis's case, did I make him scream and squiggle? No, I tickled him. That was his reaction. And so what our reaction is to the, to the touch of the Holy Spirit might be very different for different folks. Anyway, Dennis says, all right, who wants to have an experience with the Holy Spirit? Oh, my goodness. So they lined up two rows here across the front. 
We tried, and, and then some people to catch in case people fell. So we had some folks standing in between the rows ready to catch. And then everybody came forward. So they went out that side door, down the back hallway there, across into the back, three rows through the foyer. There were about six people left seated in the seats. And there were a lot more seats out at that point because we didn't have COVID distancing and stuff. Okay. So they get over here. And Dennis says to Pastor Bob, okay, I just want you to kind of hold out your hand. And he gave him something he wanted him to say, and I don't know what it was because I was standing over there, freaked out. So he said, okay, so I want you to start, and I just want you to just kind of touch each one, just, just barely touch them on the forehead and say these things, and we're going to go. And then he puts his hand on Bob's back, and he goes, okay, go, go, go. Bob puts out his hand, first six people fall. Bob's running to try to catch up. They're all falling. <laughs> I'm standing here at the door, so I open the door so they can get out the door. I look down the hall. It looks like Jonestown. Everybody's laying there all over each other in the hallway. Bob's jumping over people, trying to, trying to get through to the back. Uh, my business partner was here, actually, uh, at, the, at the back. Good thing he had cleaned the bottom of his shoes because people were seeing them. And so, you know, out the back through... Down the hallway, there were like three people left standing, all trying to go, what just happened? And he couldn't catch up. He never did catch up to, the, to this wave. And I was left going, I don't get it, but I can't deny it. Like there's no part of that that was manufactured. The people in the hallway didn't even know they were coming. They didn't know what was happening in here. And they were already down, like I say, leaning up against the wall, over each other's legs. You know, it was a, it was a complete mess. If, if somebody had come and looked in the back, they'd have thought we'd all drunk the Kool-Aid for sure. So I have, I have referred to that as the Domino's service for, the, for, for since then. And it changed my life. Because God did a thing that I could not deny. And the next night, interestingly enough, uh, I was standing, because I, I didn't go down. I was standing, and uh, Dennis and Mike Harrington came to pray for me. And as I was standing there, I thought, well, Lord, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Whatever you have, whatever you have, that's what I want. And I closed my eyes. And suddenly I was floating, and I thought, I must have fallen over. I hadn't. I was still standing there. I didn't realize it because I had lost touch with my surroundings completely. I felt like I was floating. And I had that thought, and then suddenly I felt Dennis's hand on my back as I went over. And I got down to the ground, kind of half-seated, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, See? Can so... Now get up, you have work to do. So I got up, and I went into ministry. Uh, that was also the night where a little later on laughter hit, and that was ridiculous. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, but I didn't care. And we sat, we rolled on the floor laughing. For real. I remember... Dennis trying to crawl away and Bob grabbing his leg and pulling him back saying, no, you started this. And, 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 and you know, and, and whoever it was, I think Peter fell into the drum kit. And anyway, it was just, a, you know, after that, we, we got to go to an advanced prophetic conference and, uh, and, and we, we would do, you know, prophetic tables when we would do our Glory of the Father's House conferences. We would do prophetic tables and people would come and we would give them words. As a family, Gaylene actually started doing some really cool things with the kids. She would do the prophecy game. Uh-oh, that can't be right. How could you don't make a game out of it? Excuse me, but the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's scripture. The prophet can decide. Okay? So she would play the prophecy game with the kids. What was that? Well, sit at the table and say, we're going to have somebody come over tonight. I'm not telling you who. Let's write out words for them. And so Curtis and Amanda, little ones, they would write out words for the people who were coming to, to our home. I remember one couple was coming over for dinner one night. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it would be a simple thing like a color. But Amanda had one, and I remember what it was, but I'm going to say something else. Because um, it's, again, not our story to tell. And, and Amanda said, I, I see like a, a pair of rusty scissors. 
That's not what it was, but... <laughs> and so we didn't try to get interpretation for it. It was just what it is. So Galen writes down, rusty scissors. A couple come over for dinner. We give them this word. They read rusty scissors. They both burst into tears. They know exactly what rusty scissors is all about. And it's God confirming something for them. Um, they would write out words for the next person who comes to the door. We're going to give them this. And they would do that. And I was like, well, that's, that's cool. We had a men's conference. And uh, we went out to some place uh, where, where that was going to be. And Ken asked me to bring a guitar. Now, at that point in time, I was an acoustic guitar strummer. Uh, self-taught, don't know anything. Could kind of strum the acoustic guitar. Played in kids' church, right? Could do choruses. Generally only if I had a chart in front of me that had the chords written out. <clears throat> Just the, the letters. And Ken says, I want you to bring your guitar. And I said, oh, oh, okay. So we get out there. Ken's got his keyboard set up with an app, whatever. I got my acoustic guitar, plug it in. And he says, I'm reading from Psalm 61. And he starts playing. <laughs> I looked up Psalm 61. There were no chords. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. So I'm standing there with my guitar on, feeling stupid. And there were, I don't know, there were probably 45 men. And so, again, at this point, you know, some of this has started waking up in me. And so I I start praying. And I said, Lord, I'd like to be useful. So what's the most useful thing? Is it for me to stand up here and look stupid? Uh, Should I put the guitar away and just go stand with with the other men? Or should I start playing something? I started to play. I played stuff I have no idea how to play. I've never learned to play. Um, when I got home after the weekend, Sunday afternoon, we get home. Uh, Galen's in the house. Die was over, actually, too. I came in. Galen said, you were walking a foot off the ground. I was so excited. It was like, you never believe what happened. I mean, I, I played all sorts of stuff I couldn't play. Guess what? I still couldn't play it. <clears throat> Sitting at home with my guitar, still couldn't play it. But in worship, every time. I stand up here and play. I have no idea what I'm going to play. And uh, now, my fingers have learned it now because I've been doing it for 12 years or 13 years or whatever it is. So my fingers have learned lots of the things, but it's the Holy Spirit teaching my fingers what to do. It's the most amazing thing. I say I play in tongues, but I will say this. There came a time where some significant opposition came against our church functioning in the prophetic, and we shut it down. Largely, I don't think we did so intentionally. I don't think there was any real decision to do it, but we sort of did. We just sort of stopped a lot of those things. And in my own life, same thing. We weren't playing the prophecy game anymore. We just, just didn't. And I, you know, I could teach, and I could still give a word of, word of wisdom now and again. But all that other stuff, it is kind of messy. It makes people think you're weird. So we just sort of didn't anymore. So a couple years ago, we had uh, Steve Gray come preach a service here. Most people didn't like him very much. But during that service, I was standing at the back with my guitar on, and he came to pray for me. And for the second time in my life, I fell over. Only this time. I didn't just fall over. I blew backwards about three feet and landed on the ground with my guitar still on. Over the next three days, I had, (laughs) just keeping it real, folks, I had the most serious case of diarrhea. (laughs) I mean, honestly, stuff I'd eaten three years before. (laughs) Stuff I wasn't going to eat for another two weeks yet. I mean, honestly, cleaned me right out, let me tell you. If you got to have a prophetic act, this ain't it. But it cleaned me right out. And it cleaned me right out. Just keeping it real. And you know what? I'm not okay with just tongues and words of wisdom. I'm not okay with that. 1 Corinthians 14.5 I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Frankly, tongues with interpretation is effectively prophecy. It accomplishes the same, the same purpose. And I got to tell you, that challenge on do the things you did at the beginning 
in first love. That's a challenge that I want to give to all of us. Amen. Are you willing to do those, first, those things you did at the beginning, or have we just sort of settled into this Yes, we've been married for 65 years and we just don't, you know, we don't really do that holding hands and lovey-dovey stuff anymore. What a travesty. You could have both. Yeah? Are we willing to embrace the fourth dimension? Are we willing to allow the Lord to do actual crazy supernatural stuff that we don't understand? You ready to appear weird? And not for weirdness sake. I don't want to chase any manifestations. I don't want to be chasing that stuff. That's the stuff that follows. There's fruit that comes out. That's fine. Let's not go chasing weird, but weird's going to happen. Okay? When you're busy raising the dead, do you know that you got to go there and you got to pray for them? That's weird. When you pull somebody out of a wheelchair, that's weird. If they're not healed, I'm suggesting you have a word. <laughs> Okay, that was the best. He said, at least they can't chase you. <laughs> but adding that. Okay. What about appearing wrong or unintelligent? Ooh. What if we, we allow stuff we can't explain? Do you know that Jesus said we would do greater works than he did? And no, that's not in number. I've heard that repeatedly. Well, not greater things, just more of them because there's more of us. Uh-uh. If he'd have said you're going to do lots of works, he'd have said lots of works. He said greater works. Feeding the 5,000. That's so cool. You know what? We did that here a couple weeks ago when when Patrick was up here and he needed $10,000. And $18,000 came in from this wee little congregation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So my heart is... I want to do the things I did at first. I want to want him the way I would if I had just found him. For those of you who, you know, have a significant other and you you remember how you felt when that first started to awake in you that, ooh, ooh, this is the one. Man, wouldn't you want to feel like that all the time? No, it's a mess. (laughs) Can't think. It's all stupid. Never sleep. It's not good. Come on. Lord, we want to love you. First and foremost, we want to return to that which is our first love. And we do not want to be all figured out. Lord, you're welcome here to do whatever you want to do, however messy, however confusing we find it, because you don't. We submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen.